This is Japan Baseball Weekly, the only English podcast covering all 12 NPB teams. And now, your hosts, John E. Gibson and Jim Allen. Hi, and welcome to the Japan Baseball Weekly Podcast. It's for the week of January 31st. Happy New Year. I'm John Gibson, and with me on a Friday night is my partner, Jim Allen, as we open up year 12 of JBW. How you doing, buddy? I'm popping the cork on the champagne as we speak. You're just looking for something to drink. (laughs) I, I would be. I would be, but it's a fairly dry house. So no, I, I'm I'm just joshing. I'm just uh, I'm I'm chilling out, taking up some uh, vacation days at the start of the year, having good, not good. used any <laughs> the last year and a half or so. So how yeah, you doing? Good for you. Uh, I am okay. And then you and I, we were just talking about it. Have a big clash of Northern California versus Southern California in the NFL on Monday here in Japan. So we're getting this show on the road early and I'm going to get it done and uh, I'm going to concentrate on whatever happens on Monday, but uh, yeah, well, it's going to be an know, emotional day for me. That's for sure. <laughs> well, you know, I, I just hope, you know, one of those teams is going to win. I hope, hope uh, they deserve it. And, uh, and if they don't deserve it, well, they won anyway. So there. Take that. Take that. <laughs> exactly. So, yeah. I mean, you can, nothing you can do about it. You well, deserve yeah. it. If you, you deserve it. If you're leading at the end of the game. <laughs> Right, right. Now, it has been a while for you and me. Uh, we left everyone in terms of the show back way back in December, I think it was. Mm-hmm. And you don't write, you don't call. I see you occasionally on Twitter, although the the blog and the newsletter that comes to my email, that's a greeting of sorts, I guess. But yeah. What's up, man? You know, if I if we're not doing a show, you can't you can't give a. I don't do too much. A... I was, it's like there's I, I look at the news every day and I'm going. That's not news. <laughs> I mean, it's like, you know, the daily body count from coronavirus. And, I, you know, I did think about writing about uh, Yoshinobu Yamamoto saying the quiet part out loud. <laughs> <laughs> which quiet part? The part that the part that he wants to go to the majors, which was not a secret, but... Uh, so that was, yeah, I didn't that realize that that was the quiet part because we just assumed that he was going to go at some. We point assumed, soon. and we had heard, you know, people had, you know, what Tyler Higgins had said, you know, he he wants to go, and so we'd heard it, but he hadn't said it. So, and he's right, he's a little right. less circumspect than than say a Suzuki okay. had been. So, so that was that, and and we had a couple of other little things going on, but it's been kind of a slow couple of weeks. And I've been catching well, up on bookkeeping stuff. How how about you? How, how's your off season? My off season training program has been going well, although I think I have a slightly strained muscle somewhere. We'll have to see tomorrow when I try to run in the morning. But everything's going well. I've been able to get five workouts in each week, and I've been sleeping. Been going to bed really early. This is really bad. This bodes very. <laughs> badly for baseball season because i don't know if i can make it through the end of games now and if they go to 12 innings have they decided that they're gonna Uh, they have decided they're gonna go to 12 innings and unless they're so basically the plan the the owner's plan for the season is we're we're gonna go full speed ahead until somebody forces us to stop great so yeah i don't know if i'll be able to make it through the end of games like i did last year but uh, we'll power through. We always do. And uh, so everyone, welcome to our 12th season of JBW. We didn't do a celebration for show 500. I don't even remember when it was, but uh, 
we have been doing this for so long now uh, that I don't even want to go back and listen to that first season of shows to, to compare. But let's let's just move forward and talk about this week's show. We've got an awesome off-season chat with Alex Ramirez, Rami Chan. We're going to take a quick look at the recent Hall of Fame inductees. We'll talk about the opening of Corona Camps, and uh, we'll handle some high heat. So let's start swinging. Clearing the bases. Corona camps, like space camps. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, on Monday, uh, John and I, I, I was sitting down. I assume John was sitting down as well. And Rami Chan, Alex Ramirez was sitting down, and we all uh, chatted about thing about baseball stuff. And, uh, you know, I got the years wrong as I do. <laughs> and you know different things now he's uh he's been out of baseball now for a little over a year and uh, which has not ended his utility to the dna base stars as i mentioned to him one of my best predictions a year and a half ago or when they were talking about firing him was that they would use him as an excuse for why they didn't do well in 2021 right. <laughs> right. Uh, which turned out to be true um and he's, you know, he we talked about all kinds of different things, and and he had his his things going on. And and before we get into it, I just a reminder: you can follow Alex Ramirez on his YouTube channel. Please subscribe to that. He's got lots of things Japanese baseball, and yes, he does. also his Instagram and Twitter. So uh, follow. He also has his uh, charity Vamos Together, but he said there's nothing going on right now. But uh, keep an eye out for that. So, All right. Well, before you before you do that, I, I did want to say something because uh, the interview you did last year with Boomer Wells, that was an off-season uh, interview that you arranged and did. And when I went back to the States uh, in, what was it, I guess May, I played that for my dad and my sister, just that the storytelling that Boomer did in that interview and they both, my dad and my sister, they both really enjoyed listening to that entire interview. And my dad knows nothing, of course, and my sister knows even less about NPB. And you arranged this interview too with Alex. And I really hope people enjoy this and appreciate it because it's fantastic. It's amazing yeah. content for the off season. Was really great because uh, he's been um, he's not in an easy situation where he can talk freely about a few things for a variety of reasons. But he was very uh, pretty free with us and pretty pretty chatty. So as and always, you know, a, a great friend of the podcast. So let's have a listen. Well, first of all, uh, again, uh, our guest this week on the Japan Baseball Weekly podcast is Rami Chan. <laughs> uh, thank former. you. Thank you. Yeah, former uh, uh, Swallows, Giants, Bay Stars, uh, outfielder, hitter, hitter extraordinaire, and manager uh, guy, af a guy who's been a big part of Japanese baseball now for 11 years. I said 11 instead of 21. Ah, it's okay. It's okay. Yeah, me and numbers are not friends. Congratulations on, on really a great career. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. Yeah, it's funny the way you, you know, you call me Rami Chan and, and uh, a lot of people don't really know my name, you know. Sometimes when they call me, you know, Ali Ramirez, is like, this person may know me from way before. 
<laughs> because, <laughs> because everybody calls me Rami Chan. Ah, yeah, yeah, I'm kind of slow on that. It took me a long time. Yeah. When, Shinjo, <laughs> yeah. when Shinjo is maybe 60, I'll be calling him Big Boss. Yeah, I hear you. I hear you. Yeah, that's a, <laughs> yeah, that's a, a little bit hard to take right now, but that I, it is what it is. So, you know. Yeah. Oh, you don't like it either? The, I don't. I, I like to know how that came out. That big boss. <laughs> from, yeah. From I, I, don't, I don't. Yeah, I don't particularly like it, but people seem to like it, so I have yeah. to accept it. But it, I, I think yeah, it's exactly. ridiculous. It's, yeah. You know, when we when we talk about big so, such a big name like that, um, that that would feel pretty good with you know, Harakantoku or or top <laughs> managers, all right? So, um. But you know, anyway. So hopefully, hopefully he does good enough to where people can you know call him like that. So sure, sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, now you, uh, I want to start sort of where where you finished, um, mm. and that was as a manager. And you had you were one of the more successful managers. I, I think you were um, in terms of managers who managed a while. You were the most successful manager in DNA his, in the franchise history. Uh, one other manager had a better winning percentage who got fired because he wanted to be like a normal person. And uh, what was the, the hardest thing for you to learn as a manage as a manager? You know, it's, it's many things. You know, when when you are a player, first of all, you 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 think you know more than the manager as a player. <laughs> You know, and uh, I went through that. You know, I felt I knew more than you know. They had a kantoku. I knew more than you know. I know uh, my manager, I know Wakamatsu at the beginning, and then Furuta kantoku, and then uh, had a kantoku, and also I know uh, who was the last manager we I had. I can't even remember uh, Nakahata kantoku. <laughs> yeah, and and I don't remember really remember his name because I, it's like always I always thought that of. Uh, I don't know if he's a kantoku or is a, or is an entertainment an entertainer, you know, because he's 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 both. Where he's an entertainer more than what he is a kantoku, you know. So, uh, <laughs> but that uh, it, it was it was very hard for me to adjust as a, as a kantoku as a manager. There's so many things that I need to I needed to change. I find out once I became a manager, um, especially that uh, you know the relationship with the players. That was that was tough for me because uh, you know I always wanted to be friendly with the players and have a great communication with the players and things like that. But you know I find that was a manager. There's a thin line between being friendly with the players and you know also being a manager of the team. If you are too friendly with the players, their their high expectation. They have high expectation. They expect you to use them in the game. Even if they're not doing good, they still expect you to use them in the game. So it's kind of hard for a manager to just say, you know, listen, you're not going to play today. You're not, you can't, you're not hitting right now. So I have to think about the team. You know, I cannot think about individual person or fr the friendship that we have. Mm. So that was very, very tough for me to separate that line. You know, mm. and then what, what, the what the players would think if I don't have too much communication with them, you know, and then what the other people may think, wow, Kantoku don't want to talk to the players, but that's not the case. It's just I have to draw a line between one being a manager of the team and wanting to win and also have a communication with the players. 
Yeah, I'm so glad you said that, Alex, because one of the things that I stress on this podcast and I try to tell the, the listeners is that the manager is making moves in the game and that's what we can see. You know, we understand that pitching change or a pinch hitter or something. There are a lot of things that happen before the game, during the game and after the game that fans cannot see and they don't know about. And it's just as important as what happens in the games. And so that, I, I mean, maybe you can give us some examples of things that happen, you know, when you take a player out and then you have to talk to him the next day and say this and, and explain it, or you take a picture out and then you explain it. What are those dynamics that happen with the players that the fans don't see? You know, a lot of things happen. And not only the players don't know, not only the, also the, the fans don't know what's going on, but sometimes even the coaching staff don't know what's going on between the manager and the decision that the manager has to make. You know, sometimes, you know, the front office will come and say to you, I want you, I want this to be, you know, to happen. I want, I don't want this player to play. And then you have to make a decision even before the game, you know, and, and, and how can you explain to the coaches? Now I, I cannot do that because, you know, the front came and asked me not to use this player. How can you explain to the players? Somebody that's already in the lineup, how you explain that, you know, you're not going to be able to play. How you explain to the fans, you know, I'm not using this player because you can't. Those those things are, you know, it's hard to explain. Not, not too many people know. But as a manager, you have to take it. You have to, that's your responsibility. Not only do this, I think the players think they know more than the manager, but the fans think they know more than the manager. Well, as well. I know more than the manager, so we just assume. Yeah, and that, and, and, and that happens. That happens. You know, like I said, you know, the, everybody at some point, they feel they know more than the manager, what the manager is doing, what, you know, this kind of decision. But there is a lot of things that goes, you know, through our head, and we have to make decisions, and we have mm-hmm. to take responsibility as a manager. And I base most of my, my, my decisions based on numbers. And I always talk about these. I'm a number manager. You know, I, I study the data a lot. Sometimes works, sometimes don't work. But I believe data 80% and 20% feeling, you know, the game. And, and you know, like I said, a lot of people don't understand that. Mm-hmm. So, but that's understandable. For me, it's understandable that, the, you know, a lot of people feel like that. Now, uh, you've been in Japan, as I said, uh, this year, you, you came to Japan 2001? Yes, 2001. And want a pennant, want a, a pennant straight away, and mm. you're, you know, you you really took to Japanese baseball, and and I know uh, you've you've talked before about all the things that helped you into that, all the the people who, well, you, not all the people, but many of the mm. people who were instrumental in that. Now, what in in all these years, when you and I know you you love the way the game is played here. You love the people who play the game here. There's a lot of mutual respect. What does Japanese baseball do really well? You know, the discipline that they have here is, uh, is tremendous. And it's so different than what we have back in, you know, in the States or mm-hmm. Venezuelan baseball, Latin American baseball, you know. Uh, you have to adjust. You, ha- you know, we have to understand the world. You know, this is a culture, Japanese culture. And uh, they play the game as it is. And we have to adjust to this baseball here. And, and you know, if you do things like that and try to adjust to the Japanese culture, the thing will be easier. That's, that was my major thing that I had to adjust, the culture, Japanese culture. 
Um, and when I talk about Japanese culture is from trying to eat, you know, ramen, those, those little things that I never tried before to, you know, accept the fact that we have to bond in the, in the second, the first inning, <laughs> you know? So, you know, those little things that can get you out of the game, Mm. That's, that's, you know, that's, that's hard. It's not easy to do, mm. but I accepted it right from the beginning. You know, if they, if they're going to pay me to bunt or to, you know, just to do things like that during the game, I don't care. I'm just going to get paid. I'm just going to do it because at first we think about the money first as a player. <laughs> and then once we, we have a good season and we adjust and then we start, you know, learning the culture and then we become, okay, I want to stay longer and longer and longer here in Japan. Yeah, that goes back to knowing, you know, knowing that you know better than everybody. <laughs> you know? Well, you well know? he didn't say everybody. He said well, knowing better than Well, I'm just saying that that's, that's yeah. it's normal for people who are professionals to who have experience and who have careers to to know what's best for them. Yes. You know, here in Japan, it's, it is hard to come to play. Um, you have to impress many people. You have to be really humble. You have to, uh, you know, I don't kind of adjust to them, whatever they say, mm-hmm. even though that you may think is, is wrong because the way we play the game in the States or in, in Venezuela is different. Um, you have, you just have to do it. You know, just go out there and do it. If you don't, if they hire you to do that, don't even ask why. And that's where we have a little bit of problem as a guy could in. I know players. We have a little bit of problem affecting, and 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 you. We have too many wives. Why we got to do this? Why we got to do that? Hey, don't worry, just do it. <laughs> you know? Did you did you ever do that? <laughs> did you I ever did say- a lot. I was the first one to why. So the see the first time I had my my first wife was first day in spring training in Okinawa with Yakuruto Swallows. So. We're, after the practice, I was already tired because we hit for like an hour, over, over almost, you know, an hour and a half. And then after that, okay, now we got to run like 10 laps down on the little field. And I was thinking, why why we have to do all these in the first day in spin training? <laughs> you know? And I started asking the, the, my interpreter, so when does this one start here? <laughs> you know? <laughs> so why do we have to run so much the first day? You know, I mean, we're not used to it. Mm. And, and then from there, you know, I dropped the Y a lot, a lot of times until I realized that, you know what? Just forget it. <laughs> <laughs> Just shut up and play. <laughs> All right. What can you do? <laughs> what All right. can you do? All right. So um, I guess it's my turn. Jim is asking me. So uh, a while back on our show, now this person will remain nameless, but uh, his name is not John. Mm. Uh, somebody on the show said that, a good hitter on a on a I don't want to say a bad team, but a team that doesn't have a lot of talent. Um, and this a good hitter who doesn't get pitches. He this player has to make adjustments. And I, I kind of found the statement to be very difficult to to swallow for me because I play sports and I'm just wondering how do you adjust to teammates who aren't really as talented because. You know, you in a baseball, you're going to not get the pitches you're looking for, the pitches that best suit you or something's going to happen. It makes it very difficult for you to be productive. And uh, what kinds of adjustments can you make when you're just the, t- the team around you isn't very good? You know, what? I, I don't even know who this person is. 
I don't know his <laughs> name, but whoever said this, and I, you know, honestly with you, the, whoever said this to me is really, really good comment. Really? Okay. Yes. Because I was in a bad team, not a bad team. I was, I was in that kind of situation where I didn't have, you know, people around me. I know. And I was in a, and I was in a good team that I had really good people around me. So I was, I was in both situations. And then in the same situation, they just, they always pitch me the same way. You know, you only going to get one pitch to hit. If you don't, if you take that pitch, they're not going to pitch to you. It doesn't matter who is hitting behind. It doesn't matter who is hitting in front. So you learn how to hit with the, the, the guy in front of you. If he's on first base, if he's a fast runner, they're going to throw you more fastball. If he's a slow runner, they're going to throw you more breaking ball. If the guy behind you is, is, is not hitting, of course, they're only still going to give you one pitch to hit. So be ready for that pitch. You have to make an adjustment. So I totally agree with that comment that guy made. Really? Because I, I find it difficult to understand how you can make an adjustment. Now, the adjustments I, I can see that you make are, okay, don't swing at pitches outside of the strike zone. Don't try to do too much with the pitches that you can hit, uh, you know, stay within yourself. But I mean, I find it difficult to understand how you would, I mean, I know you have to adjust your thinking, but you can't adjust your game. Yeah. But you know, like I said, you only want to see one pitch, right? You only want to see no matter what, who do, it doesn't matter who hitting behind us, you know? So if you walk, you know, it's fine. It's okay. It's good. All right. So that is not a problem at all. So you just be ready for that pitch, right? And and that's something that you you really have to think. You have to put in your mind. You know, a lot of the people who don't check videos, a lot of the people who don't see the stats, they don't know these things. So they're always thinking, I want to swing, I want to swing, I want to hit. Because if I don't hit, you know, the team is not gonna gonna move me or gonna put me in the bench and things like that. No, the team knows. The team know those things. Hey, they're not pitching to you. Don't worry. Don't and don't get don't go crazy. Just wait for your pitch and do not miss your pitch. That's it. That's, okay. Yeah, that's that's interesting because I'm going to steal one of John's questions yeah. here because uh, as you said, the team knows, the players know, but that doesn't mean everybody who's talking stuff about you in the media knows. You know, yeah. when you, when you, okay, let you miss mm -hmm. one pitch and then, you know, you don't get the pitch you need, you know, mm -hmm. Andrew Jones said for two years, he's still looking mm -hmm. for his pitch, you know? Yeah, exactly. Uh, um, the people don't know. How do you ignore that? So how do you so deal this, with the criticism? Yeah. Well, that's, you know, that's outside of what you can control. People will criticize no matter what the, the fans will criticize no matter what. The, the the reporters will criticize no matter what that's 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 part of what you know the things you can not control now um you know if if somebody like andrew jones um he was a great hitter he had a tremendous season here in japan and he was still looking for that pitch i'm pretty sure that he saw that pitch when he was not even expecting it they just threw it because the way Japanese system, you know, is they study a lot, the catchers, the pitchers and the battery coach. And then, you know, this guy already giving up the first pitch. He thinks he's not going to, we're not going to pitch to him. At some point, we're going to, we're going to sneak that in there. 
Mm. And he's not even expecting it. And then now he took the he took the pitch. All right. So did he, did he he never he never in two years he probably thought, okay, I never got the pitch. Yeah, he did. I'm pretty sure he did at some point. He was not ready. You know, he was not ready. I think he was not ready to answer the question. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, uh, yeah, he did have a great season his first yeah, year. He did, all right. So, so for you know, if if I want to as a player, if I want to be negative, I want to complain. I never get this pitch because I don't have anybody behind me. I don't want. I don't have anybody in front of me. And then that's a, that's another story. But definitely. Definitely, he got the pitch. Like everybody else, got the pitch. I got the pitch, but I was I was ready most of the time because I already knew I only gonna get one pitch. If once I see that pitch, if it's gonna be outside, I'm gonna be looking for. If I get it, I'm gonna go the opposite field. I'm gonna go the other way. You see the point? Mm-hmm. So at some point, I made my choice, and that's that's our choice. But because I studied a lot, those things, you know, so I was gonna prepare. Okay. I wanted to, okay, now I'm having an old man moment. I have my next question. <laughs> okay, go ahead then. Okay. So uh, someone else on the show, not me, uh, also <laughs> talked about, <laughs> we talked about actually consistency, and I tried to explain that if a player over a period of years, uh, maybe two, three, four years, can put up the same numbers, that actually means that the player is improving because of the difficulty in putting up the same numbers and you actually have to get better each year because the more you play, the more opponents learn about you. And I mean, no matter what sport, right? If you're playing basketball, they know more about you. If you're playing baseball, they know more about you. If they're playing football, you're playing football, hockey, whatever the sport. So how do you explain improvement to people who just look at the results and say, well, this person hit X number of these things and that you know that that's they're they're gets they're consistent, but maybe they could be better or they could be they could be worse. We don't know. How do you read these numbers? It, it, you know, actually, you know, when it comes to that, you know, the numbers it's just just one thing that we look at. It, it, you know, you as a as a player, as a guy Kukujin player, first of all, we get we get a lot of money to come here and produce. All right, and then uh, if we have a good one good season, the first year. Of course, they're expecting the team are expecting you to do more. But beside that is your behavior, how you behave on the field, how you behave with your teammates, you know, how you behave off the field. That these things are more important than the numbers that you can put. Because mm. you know, you can you can see so many guys already playing Japan for a couple of years and they have great numbers, but they're not here anymore. They gotta be a reason why but have to do a lot more to off the field things that the team say, you know what? Sorry, we cannot put up with this. We need somebody that can handle that situation a little bit better and put okay numbers. Now, I totally agree with you that every year they're studying the players a lot. And the most difficult year is the second year for the guy Kukujin guys. That's the most difficult year. Because all the team already know your weakness and your strength. So for you to be consistent, yeah, that's plus. That's really, really good. Because you look at the careers of most of the Gagogin guys, the most of the time they go down, especially second year. The third year, maybe they can go up. The fourth year, they can go up a little bit more. But they always, if they're consistent, man, that's, that's excellent. And on top of that, they're okay. They're good guys, great guys. 
among the players and among the media and the fans, they can be here for many years. Now, uh, one of the guys, I'm going to jump in. One of the guys, when you we talk about consistency and adjustments, one of the guys who's 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 trying to go to the majors right now, Seiya Suzuki, and one of the mm-hmm. things that all, that really strikes me, looking at his data, is how much he responded to changes mm-hmm. uh, this the last two years, and how as he got better and better and stronger and stronger, mm-hmm. how pitchers decided. Uh, in, last year, not to throw pitches up here, but to go down low, and he just mm-hmm. developed a whole new power zone. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know that that what do you what do you when you look at him? What do you see as a player? You know, when I look at him, I, I think that he can be a five-two player. I mean, this guy has a lot of potential. You know, I mean, he's really, really good, and he's very smart. I know, and 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 he adjusts quick. You know, last year, the beginning of the season, we all thought, wow, these guys having really bad season. And over the sound, the last three months of the season, I mean, he just took off, right? <laughs> and and he, he he made a big adjustment. And, um, it, you know, when it comes to hitting, you know, when I was a manager and we faced you know, him, we faced him, it was kind of hard for us to pitch to him because you cannot throw him a strike. If you throw within the strike zones, what he likes, <laughs> he's going to take you deep, you know? So most of the time we went there with the mentality of walk these guys. Don't do not worry. Let's take a chance with the next guy. But <laughs> yeah, walk these guys. And that's how good this guy is. I mm. think that, you know, in the major leagues, this is a guy that can, you know, put good numbers and he can adjust because he's a really good fastball hitter. Mm. So no, this, no. this is, this is, you know, one thing that is very good about him. He's a good fastball hitter. Mm. One of the things I had one knock on from a couple of people is that I, a couple of people talked to me, mm-hmm. said, you know, he has trouble with the big velocity inside. And my first thought, well, like who doesn't? Yeah, yeah exactly. 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 <laughs> yeah. It's, um, it, you know, but how many times are they going to throw him inside? You know, I mean, it, you know, we, we have to also think about that. They're not going to throw him inside all the time. You know, somebody, I mean, they attack the strike zone. In the major leagues, attack the strike zone. So they, they're going to throw it over the strike zone. So, you know, but that, anyway, I got somebody here asking for a snack. Okay. Yeah. So. Take care of business, Dad. Go ahead. So are, are you are you looking? I have one last question for me, yeah. and I'm just hoping that at some point you are looking to return to NPB in some capacity. Uh, yes. The question is, uh, you know, it's a very good question, and, and the answer is yes. Um, you know, when I decided to um, uh, resign, I, I wanted to take some time off. Um, I basically, you know, one year with my family. This year, I, I got from last year, I still got work to do this year. So um, I will, uh, I want to go back to baseball for next year. Uh, but at this point, I not, I'm not thinking about trying to get back as a manager. I'm thinking about maybe GM or, or, or any of the higher position. That's, that's what I, I would like to do for next year. I absolutely loved watching you manage games. And in that Japan series against the SoftBank Hawks, I think you, mm. you did such a great job of keeping them off balance. And that's what I loved about the day-to-day. Now, I don't know if you had a great team uh, the last time you were a manager, and I would love to see you with, a, with more talent uh, on the field at some point. So, you know, don't be afraid if, you know, if you do get that GM spot 
to come down back on the field because I'm sure people would love to see you there. Yeah, thank you very much. And I really, yeah, I really had a good time as a manager as well. And, um, you know, the way I, I think is uh, I had I had an opportunity to be a manager for five years. And now for me, I learned the system and I want to be able to help any of these organizations to, you know, to become better. Uh, I strongly believe that I can change any system to to be an A-class organization for many years. So that's that's my goal now. Mm. Yeah, I think a team would be very wide. Uh, well, teams are always, like I said, we we said before, you know, people's teams, some team is going to see uh, there's talent that's under you, you know, not used. And they're going to yeah. say, you know, we got something we know you can do. It's a question, <laughs> yeah, I like, guess, if it's a good match for you. Yes, yes. And, uh, you know, I have proved, uh, proven myself and uh, as a manager that I can develop uh, young talent and things like that. So, uh, you know, any of these organizations will love to do that. And, and have a chance to, you know, to to go to the to the Nippon series as well. So there's always a question when you're the manager, you know, I, with this before I, I cut you off, I have to add mm-hmm. that there's right. always the managers tell me, you know, it doesn't matter who they are. There's always the team wants mm-hmm. this guy. Mm-hmm. But I look at the other guy and say, this guy can play. <laughs> that's a yeah. that's a conflict that seems to always happen with every manager. Well, it, 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 you know, the thing is, and, and this is this is one thing that a lot of people don't know about Japanese uh, managers. Um, there, are, there are the managers who make their own decisions mm-hmm. on the field, and there are the managers who, who cannot make those decisions themselves. So uh, for me, myself, and, and I would I like to say this because I know for a fact that Harasan and also um, Takatsu Kantoku, uh, they, make their, they make their own decisions on the field. And as as I was making uh, my own decisions on the field, so I used the per- I used the players that I wanted to use. Mm. So um, and you know, of course, with that comes the responsibility. Mm. Uh, but that uh, we were able to make our own decisions on the field. Mm. Sometimes and sometimes, like this year, I know you had the center fielder uh, Masuki Kuhara, and mm-hmm. uh, you know the you had a role for him. And mm-hmm. he did not really do great as a as a as a everyday player. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so that you know, sometimes the way a manager looks at a player and wants a player, you know, mm-hmm. things just don't go perfectly for both for both sides, the manager and yes. the player. And yeah. then you know, a new manager comes and he says, mm-hmm. you know, this is what I want. And the the guy responds and has a great year like he had this year. And and I know when mm-hmm. you look at mm-hmm. him, I I'm just assuming you think well, good for him. Yeah, yeah. You know, I I had Kuwahara in my first two years, and I gave him the opportunity to mm-hmm. be an everyday player, and uh, he did really, really good as a Ichiban Bata, right? And mm-hmm. uh, I and he won the Golden Glove, and uh, he was he was tremendous. Um, I I predicted Ichi, uh, no, Kuwahara to to get two hundred hits in a single season. And I mm-hmm. still believe that he can be that kind of player, um, but that unfortunately, you know, the my last two years he struggled. Mm-hmm. And uh, his his lumps were very very long, mm-hmm. so I couldn't I couldn't wait for him, mm-hmm. and the team couldn't wait for him. And then you know Kamisato came; he was hitting pretty good, and some of the other guys hit pretty good. And so uh, basically, I know he he got he he went the other the other duration. And I I always told my players, I never take the position away from you. You take your position away from yourself. Mm. You put yourself in the bench. 
Once I put that name on your back as an everyday pleasure, I will never take you out unless you take yourself out. Mm. And that's what happened. You know, he took himself out. I couldn't, I couldn't wait for him. And, you know, two years he couldn't produce. Now the new manager came, mm. um, they split the, between three, three guys. I know they were fighting for that position. He, he, he came ready to spin training. He did pretty good. He won the spot. And look, the season that he had, a tremendous season. So, yeah. wow, good for him. I'm very happy for him. And I, I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised with what he did. I, I think that he can do that and more, you mm-hmm. know? So, yeah, it was good. Yeah, I, I knew you would. Well, I didn't know this, but I assumed that's how you would feel. And, of course, watching him, the narrative on TV was, well, Ramirez never gave him a chance. <laughs> yeah, you know, once again... <laughs> Uh, I did give him a chance, uh, sure. but that I, but you know, like I said, I mean, his lumps were very, very long, and that I couldn't, I couldn't wait. Uh, we were in the situation between, you know, winning and 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 kind of, you know, waiting for him, and no, we we need to win. So I give him a lot of opportunity, a lot of opportunity, but that uh, unfortunately, when you know, when you look at the numbers, okay, mm. this is what a lot of people don't know. When you look at the numbers from July and up, his numbers are terrible very bad so you know you have to use at the end of the season you have to use the people who can produce and help the team to win to compete other than that you're not going to be able to make it to the, to the climax so mm-hmm. that goes with everybody mm-hmm. so that's where the manager has to be strong and make that decision right. right so if that happened right now and they put up with him they may not have a chance to make it to the a-class team mm. yeah I think that goes with a lot of things we were talking about, but I I mm-hmm. I know how you feel about the players and the efforts, and you know that things don't always go the players' way. So, um, yeah, I knew I, that's that's the way it is. <laughs> it is it is the way yeah. it is. Things don't go my way either. So you know, right. <laughs> yeah, our, exactly, exactly. We all have our own opinion, and then mm-hmm. uh, you know, of course, and you know, my opinion, my answer may not be the you know right. But, I, you know, uh, to other people, to the listeners, uh, they may think, uh, I don't think that way. But, of course, um, you know, as a manager that I was, I have to make decisions based on the numbers, based on what I what I believe. And, um, you know, not going to be, you know, looking good or sound good to a lot of people. But mm-hmm. for me, you know, that's how I feel. You know, that's what I believe. Well, I want to thank you for your time. And, uh, you know, like, as you said, you can only be the player you are. You can only be the manager you are. And uh, we're very thankful that you took this time to share with us. So, yes, uh, thank you very much. And as much as much as the fans really love you, Jim and I really, really love you even more because you've always been there for us. And we really appreciate you since the day you got here to Japan. We've yeah. been talking to you. We've yeah, talked we, to you. Uh, I know, man. Right away. All together, you got to man. 20 years now. 20, 20 years. years. Right. Yeah. So we really, we love you. We appreciate you. It's good to see you on Twitter and on YouTube yeah. and keep up the good work. And hopefully we will see you in, in back oh, in man. baseball soon. All right, man. So, take so, care. Wanna, Thanks so much. Yeah. Let me, let me, uh, I want to take this opportunity to say, you know, I know I wish all the guy could begin players the best this season and the, 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 the ones that already been here and the new ones that are coming as well, I wish them all the best. Uh, you know, Japanese base was very interesting base, was very good baseball. And uh, it can help, you know, anybody to, um, you know, to, to, to become better player. And uh, always remember to forget about 
I mean, remember that this is Japanese baseball. We're in Japan, and Jap- the things that are down here are totally different than, than back home. So always remember that. Um, so just you know, just keep those things in mind. One guy, one guy that I I, I want to you know talk about is that uh, DNA baseballs. I know Tyler Austin, and this guy is uh, by far to me um, the next you know Alex Cabrera, you know Roberto Paragini. You know, Rami Chang, I think this guy had the potential to be the next uh, guy like that. So, um, you know, the other guys are really, really good as well. But when it comes to, you know, adjusting to Japanese baseball, and I think that this guy has everything that you need to be that that guy, the guy in, in Japanese baseball. Okay. Right. Much, right. Man. All right, man. Yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Take care. All right, guys. Yeah, okay. Thank bye-bye. you so much. Okay. Oh, man. Yes. Oh man, thanks so much, Alex. Thank you. Thank you, Alex. Uh awesome, man. Just awesome. And just uh just a reminder again, you can catch uh, Alex on his Instagram and Twitter and on his YouTube channel. So please, please follow him. Yeah. So so what do you wanna anything you wanna comment on? I mean anything. I wanna comment on everything, but we we, we wanna limit this show and don't, <laughs> we, wanna, we wanna talk three hours and at some point go to sleep and get up in the morning and start that. Yeah, that day. is a problem when you wanna talk for three hours. Sleep is, yeah. is definitely a, a a casualty. But again, this this was an unbelievable opportunity and we really have to thank Jim for this amazing conversation. And of course you know, Rami Chan himself gave us all these comments and was so candid. And uh, but it was Jim who set these things in motion. So appreciate you for doing that. And I mean, you could tell Alex, I think, was in a little bit half Japanese mode as he's trying to talk to us. Mm. And he's talking to us in his second language and in in the mode of his third language. So it's just amazing how he's mixing these languages up in his head and 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 having his kid next to him and still uh, taking the time to, to sit with us and chat. So um, uh, he mixes in a few Japanese words here and there. I think most most of it is easy to understand. So uh, I, I imagine there's a lot of languages popping around in his head or bouncing around in there. But there were three major points that I'll try to comment on as quickly as possible. And the first, the first one is he didn't say if this happened when he was a player or a manager, but having the front office intervene, and I'm just assuming it was managers. It was a man. It was it was a, a managing stuff. Yeah, I, because we had talked about it, it the other yeah, day he, before. So, yeah. So for the front office to intervene and restrict use of a player that that's the kind of delicious details that we don't ever get from sure. anybody in NPB because it's so intriguing and so delectable. I mean, <laughs> we don't get. I mean, we know what happens, right? Because we hear about oh, this player has a bonus. The team is. It's it's September or late August. The team is in fifth or sixth place. Uh, they're not drawing a lot uh, in attendance, so we don't want to pay extra money. So let's let's pull this guy. Let's uh, make up an injury and get this guy off the field, so we don't have to play him as much. Or especially if he's if he doesn't have 145 days of service time for the year, let's uh, you know let's send him down to improve his form. 
Let's soft bank him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let's do that. Yeah. We weren't going to go there, but yeah, why not? Let's call it, let's call it, call a spade a spade. Yeah. So yeah, these bonus slash incentive things, these motivated decisions by losing teams, you know, whatever the reason is, or yeah, to circumvent or to delay a guy's service time or hold them back, whatever the reason, whatever they, they, they the reason, do these right. things. We know that. And I've been saying for more than a decade now that these managers are not trying to win every game. It's the front office too. <laughs> you know, the front office is out there wiggling its fingers and pushing its hands into places that, you know, cookie jars that those hands really shouldn't be in. And so that was one. And then the dynamic transition, I think Alex has experienced going from, as he explained, understanding his own job and the manager's job, the manager's job, to the job as a top player and a leader on a team and that dynamic you have with a a manager to -hmm. then comprehending the learning curve being the manager and dealing with players that that was just so fascinating to hear that whole transition now of course he didn't get into detail we only um, the the, the talk was 30 minutes or so a little bit more than 30 Mm -hmm. minutes he could have talked to us for another three hours and just given us all the all that the, is true. The I details, just, but I don't think he can. Even though he said he, he couldn't really touch on some certain uh, aspects of his job, his previous job with the with the base stars, I think he gave us more information than we were expecting. And so yes. I wanted to ask more questions off of those, but I thought, no, nah, I'll just let him say what he wants to say about it, and we'll move along. So yeah. we did that. <laughs> yeah, he we were, you know, he's well. First of all, he's pretty cautious about not burning bridges. Mm. because he's, as he said at the end, he is hoping, you know, to land another job and nobody wants, you know, somebody who's going (laughs) to be spilling all the, you know, air in the dirty laundry. Right. Understood. So so, so in that light, you know, he shared things that that he was, uh, you know, he shared kind of positive things, kind of open things. But yeah, it was it was interesting the whole bit about the coaches not knowing and there were there were a lot of issues with the base stars that he is not you know he's he's just uh, too too much of a gentleman to want to you know put in public I think I don't think there's any restrictions no restrictions on him but uh, there was that but I, I like the whole uh, talk about the his his philosophies and and we talked about his philosophies a, a bit in his past uh, interviews with us when he was DNA manager and before that when he was a player. So that was kind of interesting. Yeah, it was, it was, it was good stuff. And then lastly, for me, um, the fact that he said this out loud, and I, and I think I've mentioned this on the show before about players coming to spring training and everybody has a different agenda. And I know he didn't meet it in this particular circumstance as a spring training situation, but he said, look, uh, as players, we think of the money first. And I'm like, what? <laughs> and if they're going to pay us to do whatever it is they want us to do, then we're going to do it because we're thinking about the, getting the paycheck. And so, you know, that doesn't ex- exactly mean all circumstances across all situations with everything factored in. I don't think a guy is out there thinking, geez, I just missed a home run. I'm not going to get paid or uh, I got to steal bases so I can get paid. Not necessarily, but uh, there's a trying to help the team win. But I think as you hear these kinds of comments about players and I, and I, I don't think it counts for every situation. So 
Uh, I think a lot of times when we asked him questions, I think he answered from the perspective of being the foreign player, not being mm. the Japanese player. So uh, it, it's very different for the Japanese players. But I think when you're a foreigner and you come over to play in Japan, yeah, you are concerned about what your numbers are going to look like. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, uh, very concerned about what your numbers are going to look like. But Alex did talk about the off the field aspects as well. So I thought that was just you know fascinating, enlightening. Uh, comment about uh, I think we he just kind of took us inside the locker room a little bit there and sure. behind I the mean, scenes and that was so fun. I mean that explains you know that explains the Japanese career of Ernesto Mejia mm. because yeah. you want people uh, being dependable is not just being dependable and getting X number of RBIs per at bat you know per uh, run scoring situation but also being a dependable part of the team and people there's, there's an appreciation there and he understood that he was into that dimension. Yeah. It's it is a, it is a very complicated situation for the, for the imported players. And, you know, a, you want to do well in, in what you consider doing well and you want to do what the team wants you to do. And there's always going to be a little conflict you know, between what those two things are. So, yeah, I think he voiced that really well. And the whole bit of right, the right. whole dynamic about his, the relationship with the players, you know, that is such a hard thing to do. Yeah, I, you know, I don't think it ever hit me, particularly because I never imagined any of the managers were would get to a relationship uh, unless you were a guy like Ichiro, who was almost a captain, who was out there making decisions on his own and would only get talked to maybe after the game, <laughs> not during. Um, but having that line that he talked about and saying, because they, the, the players think you're a friend and then because they think you're friends with them, that they think you're going to play them. And I, I'm like, why would someone think that? You know, it's <laughs> one of my first, uh, that, that's the first thing that hit me is why, why would someone think that? But I guess, well, that's I think, part of it. yeah, right? well, that's, that was a difficult, you know, one of the, the things that uh, really helped Alex was the relationship with the Latin players mm -hmm. because Jose Lopez came over from the Giants and he was a, sort of a cast off, you know, they said, we, we've got this really good first baseman. Oh, wait, we our star wants to play first base. I'll take a hike, buddy. Right. <laughs> but he went, you know, and he went and he, he got to play for a fellow, a fellow Venezuelan. And his career, you know, jump started again. And then uh, another Venezuelan came over. Uh, Edwin Escobar comes over from Nippon Ham and he's welcomed with open arms and he feels like, oh, somebody understands me. And, you know, there may have been that. I, you know, he had to be really cautious about that dynamic. I know fans were saying, like, um, in 2021, when, when all this stuff came out about, uh, excuse me, 2020, when all this stuff, when the, the campaign to fire Alex Ramirez began in the, in June, May or June, mm -hmm. uh, you know, it's like, well, he's got these import players who aren't any good and he just keeps playing them because they're imports, you know, and the, the, you know, they, every, every excuse, you name it. Uh, yeah. It was, you can uh, get a sense of the, the bullets and arrows and slings and any, any kind of, um, weapon that weaponry that comes your way if you're the manager you 
you're either the the best guy in the world, like Bobby Valentine with the Bobby Magic, or you're the worst guy in the world. And I think you just have to let it all, um, you know, just roll off. Sure. I, I don't think you can absorb any of it. Don't let you it cannot. go to your head you and know, don't let it get under your skin. Yeah. yeah. I mean, when we talked about it before that as well, it was, you know, you can't control what people are going to say. So you kind of just got to mo- get over it. And right. Well, I do. About, yeah, you <laughs> do. So, but you know, it was a, a, a wonderful job. I mean, I have my, my, my personal opinions and I guess I'd be remiss if I didn't uh, mention, um, you know, my criticisms and I, I do have criticisms of, 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 the way Alex managed, but, you know, and I shared, shared them with him. Um, I understand what he did. I think sometimes he, his concept of the data was, was very anchored in very small, you know, he used whatever data he could get. That was his thing. Whatever I got, I'm going to get. But I think sometimes he was swayed by, you know, uh, things that I used to be mistake for real things that were just, um, the vagaries of small da- small data samples, uh-huh. and I think he he was um, I think that cost him quite a bit when he was managing. Uh, you know his insistence on doing it with the best available evidence when the best available evidence was essentially meaningless. In 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 you know it wasn't meaningless to him, but it was probably me- insignificant. And I think he did make some decisions based on on things that were probably. You know, he was, uh, I, I will never fault him for his energy and his, his study. And not knowing something now is not the same as not ever knowing. So, it's, you know, we all go through these stages. But, yeah, I mean, that was a thing. Some of the, I thought some of his decisions based on, on data were probably based on, two, on such small uh, samples. But right. I also can't, I also, you know, when I wanted to ask him about that a little bit, you know, when he said it's 80% on data and 20% on feel, I think also when we talked about some of the decisions he made based on, on data, that was, which I considered very small. I thought also that, you know, it's not all about the data. I mean, you can see what players, you can see what the players are in the clubhouse. And we talked about that the other day. And you can see what they're like and what, you know, and you can read their body language. And I think for him, it was a case of, oh, the data said this says no way, Jose, and uh, not Lopez, <laughs> no way. And his arr, body arr. language says no. <laughs> so I'm going to go with the no. And right. I think that's probably about where he is. And so, you know, he says it's all about the data, but I think it's really, it maybe it's 80% is, um, probably overstating it maybe in his, in his defense. Sure. Sure. Um, well, yeah, but fascinating stuff. Thank you yep. so much. Uh, that was really, really awesome. And thank you for inviting me on. Cause you didn't have to do that. You could have done the interview all ah, by yourself. So wouldn't have been cool. as good. Yeah. <laughs> I'd like to think that, but I don't know. I know it wouldn't have been as good. I, I know that, it, that three heads are better than two. <laughs> I'm trying to figure out who the other person who was who was saying stuff that wasn't you, but it, I don't remember saying that. But then that that <laughs> okay. would be that would be normal because I mean, when you and I say when you say Jim said this or when I said John said that, I I can almost see your eyebrows raising whenever I say John said this. I said that's not what I said. 
That's not what I meant. <laughs> That's probably the case here as well. I'm going, I might end up. Right, right. Whenever I, whenever I deliver out there into the ethers, it, it gets mangled in your head anyway. It, so it uh, really doesn't well, matter what I say, right? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Pretty much. Yeah, that's not just you. Okay. That's life. Okay. All right. Making a four-seam transition, we had some inductees into the Japanese Baseball Hall of Fame way back on January 14th. Mm-hmm. Uh, Shingo Takatsu, the current manager of the Yakult Swallows, and Masahiro Yamamoto, uh, former Dragons pitcher. And what is he, coaching somewhere? Or he just... Gonna, that I know, I know he did a, a he did a lot of color commentary on the radio and some on TV last year. He's been doing a lot of amateur stuff uh, mm, since mm. he since he retired. He hasn't been right, right. So Takatsu, the sidearm closer and crafty junk balling lefty Yamamoto, both great selections. I thought, um, although I think Masa turned into a compiler late in his career, but he was excellent. I think the first. 15 years or so, but I think he pitched for like 60 years. So anyway. Hashtag hi. <laughs> yeah, well, see, that my... was the thing. I mean, you you sort of like <laughs> almost any, he did have some really productive bits after he turned 40. You know, after he yes. turned 45, they weren't frequent. But they were all short stints, yeah. They weren't frequent, but they were still, you know, it, it was just so amazing that somebody could pitch until they were 50. My goodness me, you know, my thing about him and I have I had difficulties with both of their candidacies. Uh, I didn't vote for either of them. I voted for one pitcher and that was Hiroki Kuroda. Mm -hmm. But I think they were I thought Yamamoto was definitely Hall of Fame worthy. He's been building his uh, credentials for a, a little bit. He's although he's only been in the excuse me. He was the first. He was a second-year guy, I think. Let me just correct okay. that. Uh, come right. on, Matsuhiro Yamamoto. Yeah, he was in his second year. And okay. uh, Takatsu has been on the ballot a while, has been steadily building. And he's Takatsu is also a difficult one because, as you said, Yamamoto was a compiler. You know, He did have these amazing career accomplishments, but he was also quite um, – he was a very high – both of these guys have sort of – qualifications to their careers because Yamamoto for a guy to pitch until he's 50 coming up in the eighties right. as a good pitcher was quite remarkable because yes. if anybody remembers the eighties and nineties, it was really a uh, death to pitching arms era in Japan. Yep. Uh, there was still a thing, complete your games, you know, don't, you know, 150, 160, 170 pitches, whatever it takes, complete your games. And so it was really hard on arms. So very few people survived. And the same goes for the relievers. Relievers of Japanese teams in this era, when uh, closers became a thing in the 80s, they really didn't know. They were still sort of figuring out how to use them. And as a result, a lot of closers were pitching uh, three days in a row. And a thing in uh, Japan, I wrote about this at some length on my blog, jballallen.com, about the evolution of closers in Japan. Because one of the, it's remarkable because in his generation of closers, there really weren't anybody, there there were pretty much nobody was as durable as Takatsu. 
in mm. an era when virtually no closers were durable or continually effective. Even um, you know the the guy who the first uh, big closer who went into the Hall of Fame. I can't count Tsunemi Tsuda who went into the Hall of Fame because there was a huge campaign to get him in after he died at the age of like 42 or 39 or something. He died of cancer. Okay. Yeah. I think you, you mentioned that years right. ago on the show. Yeah. So <laughs> um, other than him, he really didn't have a Hall of Fame career, but Sasaki did. And Sasaki burned out fairly early and Takatsu just kept going and going and going until he was at one point the saves leader. Um, the career saves leader. So, you know, in, in the long term, he might not look, you know, 10, 20 years from now, he might look like a really good selection. But given that he came out of an era, like Yamamoto came out of an era in which pitchers were ground up and spit out, I think both of these guys had remarkable careers. So, yeah, more power to him. A couple of other comments. Alex Ramirez uh, finished third in the voting. So he's was the highest... Uh, uh, he got he was named on the most ballots of any guy who didn't uh, wasn't inducted mm. 57.9% although i think it's going to it might take him a couple of years he went down in the voting when because of uh the new guys uh the new guy was basically hiroki kuroda got a whole bunch of votes uh, in his first year on the ballot right okay and the other thing was, uh, yeah, Motonobu Tanishige was a fourth, uh, was fifth, uh, third. He was third after Ramirez. Ramirez Masiro Kawai Motonobu Tanishige. He looks like he's on a trajectory to get into the Hall of Fame. Forty-six point three percent, which is a new high. Uh, in my opinion, well, he used to be the best guy on the ballot. Tuffy Rhodes got 15.5%. His candidacy is dwi- is dwindling. Mm. Um, so that's sad to see. And I guess the other thing, the I guess the big shock was was that uh, Kazuhiro Wada, well, he got 2.8%. I thought he was knocked off the ballot, my mistake. He just barely scraped by into the second. This is a guy who probably belongs in the Hall of Fame. And I suppose, and, I mean, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, the, and you can say, oh, he was a compiler, but he wasn't really. This is oh, a guy. I, I don't think so. Yeah. No, I know some people might because he got those great you know, numbers, but he hit for power. This is a guy basically whose career started when he was 30. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> he, he came out of the, he went to university, then he played for Kobe Steel, and then he was a backup behind uh, Tsutomu, Hall of Fame catcher Tsutomu Ito for about six years. Yeah, he's a catcher. He had to find a spot somewhere. So they to, finally had to put him in the outfield. And then, you know, the one of the best things that um, my buddy Haruki Ihara ever did as manager for the Cebu Lions was say, I'm going to take that guy we got no work for and put him in the, put him in the outfield or make him a DH and just let him, uh, you know, be an MVP candidate every year. <laughs> Yeah, let's do that. <laughs> that sounds like a good idea. Yeah, well, my my, I mean, my crusade continues. I mean, MPB is often disrespected when it comes to level of players and strategy with all the bunting and folks like Jay Jackson like to call the team scrappy. And uh, <laughs> but a player like Tuffy, you know, he came, um, he tried to assimilate. He was a productive player. And if the Hall of Fame voters can't understand what a true impact 
not just the numbers, but the impact and the following and the respect that Tuffy garnered in this game, then I, I just I can't appreciate the Hall of Fame. And I think I oh, made yeah. this statement a, a few years ago. Um, you know, they're going to add guys like Takatsu and Yamamoto, and both are great pitchers. But I think Tuffy is right alongside them in terms of impact, oh, yeah. maybe maybe higher. Um, some might argue, and and. <sighs> Yeah, I just can't in good conscience say anything positive about the Hall of Fame until Tuffy's in it. It just it's like this good old Japanese boys club. Mm. And, you know, Dennis Sarfate is gonna have to battle it next, right? Because uh mm-hmm. the all time foreign saves leader and uh big impact won a bunch of championships. I mean, mm-hmm. whatever criteria you want to measure, uh use to measure, uh he's gonna fulfill or he's gonna meet that criteria. So you know, I can't take the Hall of Fame. No, there's I lots like of it. I mean, it. Kenji Jojima, who is, he must be, um, well, you know, he, he got a, when he was a, he was a youngster. He was really, I thought a really nice guy and he was really friendly. Uh, and as he got older and became a star, he kind of got a little remote and he just, you know, he's kind of does his own thing. And I don't think he really has a lot of time for people who aren't on his wavelength, but He's um, he's headed out. <laughs> you know, he got 7.5 percent. He's named on 7.5 percent of the ballots, one of which was mine. And Michihiro Ogasawara was named on 7.5 percent of the ballots, one of which was mine. These guys, I just don't. You know, the the Hall of Fame and and the Hall of Fame. Uh, we had this discussion because of the Cooperstown this this week, and I understand and. I understand why people dislike it. And I, and I think one of the things about the hall of fame is that on a sort of a philosophical level is it's a filter with the hall of fame. You take people who are, who are of all shade, all shades of character, you know, Mm -hmm. some real, some people, very questionable character, people of, of sterling character. And, but once they're in, they're sort of like, they're all, they they all become baseball gods, you know. You're sort of cleansing of what they do in the past by putting them in the Hall of Fame. And uh, Craig uh, Calcaterra, who's a friend, said, you know, we need a museum that just says this guy was really a great player, and this is what he did in his life, and these are the problems he created. You know, a whole sort of three three D image, but the Hall of Fame exists to create a two D image of this person as a great and everybody else isn't. <laughs> and that's right. really to me the big problem with it because you know people are going to keep Tuffy Rhodes out because oh because he had you know he got into fights with his coaches, he got into fights with other players. Um uh, he you know he got in and there was a scandal once and there was this and there was that and it's like he's one of the best players ever. But oh, we don't want you know. We're not going to cleanse him. You know, we're gonna we're not we're not going to let him join the other people whose whose careers we've whitewashed to put him in the Hall of Fame. Right, right. So. Yeah, I, I like the way you put that. That was well put. Um, making a player's image pristine as they enter, uh, when we know so. that we are all human. <laughs> yeah, sure. I mean, Alex Ramirez is probably going to go in, which is, and I think he's a Hall of Famer. I wouldn't put him ahead of Tuffy Rhodes, but he's probably going to go in first. Uh, Randy Bass is probably going to go in. He's very close to getting in, but it's going to take a while. He's in the other, the next uh, division. 
There's a players division, which votes on players in this period between uh, five years after they retire and 20 years after they retire. Mm -hmm. And the next big player into that will be Tadahito Iguchi next year. And I imagine he could be a first ballot Hall of Famer. Um, But who knows? Anyway, uh, the reason the next division is the experts division. The experts division is made up of sports writers who've been uh, baseball writers who've been in the business for, I think, 15 years and choose to join that group and living members of the Hall of Fame. Now, Randy Bass fell a few votes short of uh, selection this time. He, he reached, he was named on 72.6% of the ballots, but there are still a lot of old guys in the Hall of Fame who aren't going to mm-hmm. vote for him because he's a, an import. But within a couple of years, those guys are going to be dead and Bass will be a Hall of Famer because now we've got Shingo Takatsu and we've got Yamamoto who pitched against him are going to be voting for him. And I bet both of those guys are going to vote for him. Right. So that's two. And maybe somebody will die and he'll need one less and he'll be in. Okay. All right. Well, again, another topic we could talk about for a long time. If and, we chose. And which I do. But we've got to move along. Mm-hmm. Uh, so thank you for that. Thank you for the information and the numbers. That was so, that was very enlightening. So making a two seam transition, we'll talk about the Corona camps. So mm. every year, this is about the time of year when I complain that there's snow on the ground here in Tokyo and other places. And why are you calling this spring camp? And it's going to open, but it's going to open uh, on Tuesday. Yep. That's February 1st. And Uh, All we've been hearing about, uh, most of the reports I've been seeing, is the number of players who have been infected with coronavirus and are in, I guess, the uh, MPB's version of safety, health and safety protocols. So um, (laughs) uh, the frigid temperatures and the snow and all that stuff is really not the point. I think the point is how many guys can they get together to go through calisthenics and all the other things uh, each day, because I think... There have been lots of outbreaks before we began uh, recording. We were talking about the outbreaks in Okinawa. Uh, I don't know. I think I saw SoftBank had a whole platoon of players infected. Mm. And I saw some other players recently added. And every time you open Twitter or some other social media or just look on the uh, Sports Navi website, it just has a list of we should have the uh, you know instead of the IR just have the CR <laughs> or the CL the COVID list. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> because I think they're I think uh, obviously they're going to power through here in the spring quote unquote spring. But um, uh, <laughs> you said it. Ha ha ha! You said spring. <laughs> <laughs> I said quote unquote spring. Um, so yeah, I it, but it's opening up. I, I'm. You know, I we I always tell my wife. My wife is always saying, "Wow, they're having camps already." We just saw the Japan series, and I said, "Look, there's no off season in Japanese baseball. There's only a short period where there are no games, but there's no off season. So Pretty get much. used to it." <laughs> so uh, we're gonna start up here. Are you excited? <laughs> um, I'm not certain. <laughs> Panic and paranoia is the same as excitement. And paranoia and wondering if I'll be ready for opening day, panic and thinking I've got to get my rosters ready for, <laughs> for, 
for stuff and and I still haven't dealt with la the last two years uh, piles of data in HTML files but uh oh no yeah that I that mean, is scary yeah you should be afraid <laughs> but I have, yeah I know so it's sort of like uh yeah I'm ready for the season I hope it's not another one that just gets buried on a hard disk <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, not ready for the season so 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 much as ready for camp because camp. remember they had these the camp uh, broadcasts where they have fought, fought four hours of of camp and announcers yeah. announcing camp and I'm I don't know how they get gather up enough material. They must be out there furiously working. Sure, now sure, to get enough uh, material to speak because there's really nothing going on. No, it's pretty much you hear bats and balls colliding. <laughs> it's basically they, they show batting a... practice and then before batting practice starts they show all the and they'll show the bullpens mm -hmm. and then they'll show the teams warming up stretching and warming up in the morning Pretty yeah much and the announcers three... i heard yeah it's like they crack open the the guides from the p previous years and the this year and they just say they just start reading out of the <laughs> out of these uh, baseball guys. This, he went to this college. He did this last year. Uh, I remember he had surgery or missed a chunk of the season with an injury, and they just go on and on. It's amazing how they can fill all that. Time I'm amazed that you could actually listen to that stuff. I kind of like just it just drones on so much. I can't hear anything. It, I mean, I have it on in the background when I'm at work sometimes, and what it does is. Uh, the details that you, that will stick in your head actually go in. The other jibber jabber just bounces off. So, um, you know, when you, they'll be talking in those, and then they'll say something that's actually relevant. Like this player hit something such against left-handed batters, but he did most of his damage as a pinch hitter or something, and it, it'll stick in. Whatever mm. is relevant will stick. The other stuff just is it just bounces off. But uh, I, I will admit, readily admit, I am not ready for. Uh, spring training to start on Tuesday, but ready or not, here it comes. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's I'm not ready. Come. I'll have to get ready. <laughs> it, indeed, it is going to happen whether we like it or not. And uh, I'm glad that it is going forward. I mean, we could be uh, in the U.S. where uh, things are not moving forward, and the owners have decided, well, we're better off with no baseball than baseball. So. Mm, well, if you're done with talking about camps, we can slide right into our notes because that's the mm. first item up is the Seiya Suzuki situation. And we heard Rami Khan talk about him or Rami Chan mention him in the talk. And I guess we're left to wonder where he might end up. But if this lockout lasts into April, I, I, you know, I don't know what he does. <laughs> this is well, so unfair. And by I mean, I mean, unfair, I mean, unlucky for a player who's just making his, his way over to the major leagues. But um, hopefully they'll get something settled and they'll be able to play because if he has to start behind schedule, so he doesn't get his, he already is not going to get his full complement of a spring training because he's used to going to spring training on February 1st and getting ready for that. And I just think, I, I don't know how it's going to throw him off. I, I Maybe it won't throw him off. Maybe he'll be able to, Finally, as a Japanese player who works so hard, maybe he'll be able to actually rest that body <laughs> and it'll help. But who knows? Who knows how it's going to impact him? Well, he's he's said repeatedly that, you know, his plan is to go to the majors regardless when the season starts. I guess the only thing that would torpedo that is if the season doesn't start. 
Well, yeah, he can have a plan to go. Yeah, I'm just, right. I'm saying, I'm saying, how is it, how is it going to impact his play? Or right, his right, right. Well, we situation? don't know. He's in the boat, same boat with everybody else, except he's got a camp. You know, the the carp. Although he can't act technically be in the carp camp, uh, he can be in the carp camp. You know, he can he can be a he can be there working out with his his former teammates. That's and nobody uh, carp Corona camp. Three C, okay, three okay. C, yeah. triple three C ranch, <laughs> right? Uh, so he can do that. So I mean, Ichiro Suzuki famously used to work out with the Oryx Blue Wave at the start of their camp before he re- reported to camp in in uh, Arizona with the Seattle Mariners. So I imagine right now he he was at uh, Mazda Stadium this past week, where word came out that he is indeed going to the Yahoo reported a source saying. He is indeed going uh, headed towards the Boston Red Sox, which would uh, defy one thing I heard, which was one of my sources saying that uh, <laughs> sources reporting a source saying that he was going to go to a warm weather team. Um, I saw another report today say the San Francisco Giants were one of his favorites. And okay. I saw one that said Yankees and Dodgers were going full tilt. So yeah, he's, he's Do- going everywhere. The Dodgers right now. and Mariners and the Padres have been going full tilt. Uh, so yeah, there are teams who are are really lining up to sign him. But uh, he's got you know his. This is the thing with Seiya Suzuki is I think you need to remember is every time somebody's reporting something. It really doesn't mean anything until Suzuki says it. And Suzuki isn't the guy who's going to go out and say, "Oh, I," you know, he he doesn't drop breadcrumbs. He's not right, right. like Yoshinobu Yamamoto saying, "Oh, I want to go to the majors in a couple of years." When I asked him two years ago, he wants to go to the majors. He said, "Well, I'm not telling anybody that." <laughs> right, right. Until it's time. Until it's time. So yeah, another so that's news how note. he is. So don't read anything into what people are saying about it. <laughs> Right. Another news note, uh, Coco Ballantine last week uh, sent out a social media announcement saying that he was retiring and he's he well, has been a friend exactly of JBW. that's exactly what he said. Oh, he said he was done. He said he was... <laughs> he's not going to play in Japan. He, that's what he said. He yes, I, it, it came back to yeah. me, but yeah. Yeah, he yeah. said he was waiting for offers. You know, and like a couple of weeks before, he was saying, you know, still waiting for offers. He wanted to stay in Japan. So I guess that means he's open to other opportunities. My guess is he's open to opportunities outside of Japan. So that well, let's hope so. I mean, but uh, he he has been a friend of JBW. Yes, I don't know that he has had a Hall of Fame worthy career in NPB. He has a thousand hits and three hundred home runs and seven hundred ninety five RBIs and. I uh, eventually did get a championship, sort yep. of. He was on that team. Yeah, the swept. one, the one, the only year <laughs> in which he he pretty much didn't play anything play. close to a full season was the right. one year they won the a championship. Twenty twenty season, yeah, when 20, they swept the giant. Yeah, they swept the Giants in the Japan series. Twenty twenty. Ah, ah. Oh, right. I was thinking of the Hawks. Central League Championship in 2015. Okay, sorry. Oh, yeah. No, 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 no. That the was Hawks the year he didn't play. The hardly. Giants. Yeah, he had a title, an actual championship, not that league championship stuff, an actual Japan Series championship. So, yeah. Uh, but he really wasn't, he was mostly a non factor in that situation, but he gets a title. Um, so, I'm not sure that he's Hall of Fame worthy, but that 2013 season should be in the Hall of Fame. So, and he well, it is. I think, it happen, I think so. the the bat is in the Hall of Fame, and 
Well, I mean, something about that whole season, a little spot in there. I I don't know how they would do it. I don't don't run those things, but I would like to see something. Because that season right now, uh, we're going on 10 years, right? Uh, Getting on it. Yeah, and and no one is getting close. So Uh, another note, Masahiro Tanaka of the Rakuten Eagles is coming back to Japan. That happened. The other uh, 2013 MVP. Yep, yep. Way back in December, that was announced. So uh, we, I believe we missed that. That was right after our show came out. Um, and we had the fighters unveil some new uniforms, but this is not a thing. And I don't know why the fighters uniform reveal was such a big thing. It was like one of those, you know, uh, baby gender reveal things where they had, threw a party for no reason. I'm like, just, you know, it was like a, a baby gender reveal where they didn't tell you what the gender was going to be. Well, assuming it's, since it's blue, I guess we're assuming it's a boy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sort of like the manager. <laughs> so, what, I have to ask: What was your, what was your, 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 your gut reaction to the fighters' new uniforms? I didn't. I didn't. Whatever they did on TV or whatever it is that they had, I wasn't watching. I just saw the reactions on uh, Twitter, and my reactions when people started sending out pictures of the uniforms uh-huh. was that this looks like uh, someone else said it too but it hit me as immediately when i saw it i, th- I thought those are the saber uniforms from like the <laughs> 2000s yeah <laughs> me too <laughs> saber lions so i'm like except that all the writing is square and boxy and uh it's supposed to look futuristic but it looks plastic sticks <laughs> they could have <laughs> done like it's from things. the past yeah i was i was thinking about that on the on the newsletter my blog newsletter the other day and i was thinking the the company that put these uniforms together their pitch to the fighters must have been an hour long of which 50 was minutes was uh dedicated to explaining why they didn't look the same as the lions <laughs> old uniform why they did yeah <laughs> now, these are, <laughs> no it, no here's another reason why they don't exactly look like the lions there is stay yeah, with you, us you, folks you, Right, right. This, this, it, from a distance, it looks like the Lions uniforms, but yeah, this, I mean, they're not. But this is different, and the lettering is different, and the color is different, and hey, hey, the fighters from a are distance, becoming, it looks like the Lions. <laughs> yeah, the fighters are becoming like the ultimate weird team. I mean, uh, I, I am, a, I'm actually positive. I, I think there are many ways in which Tsuyoshi Shinjo can be a positive in Japan, in a, in a country where being weird is is not allowed and sometimes players who are a little weird get trod on players and, and, and managers like even alex Ramirez is saying that he wasn't sure if nakahata was the manager or just an entertainer so oh, maybe man, the same I situation so, <laughs> so uh that was so but if he's you know if he's basically says i'm going to do things differently but you know we're here to play baseball and win games then great i mean if if it's all this stuff about we're here to be um tv idols and and tv personalities and that's that's the direction the franchise goes in which i'm i'm sort of half (laughs) i don't know i'm not half convinced that the reason for shinjo is because the fighters aren't serious about anything yeah i'm (laughs) it may be it may be the most brilliant idea ever but the other idea is that the fighters who have this huge real estate development deal in their new ball around their new ballpark are going to be the next version of an MLB team and just uh, make profits off of their real estate and let the team go hang in in a park that they're not going to be paying for pretty much. 
Right. Yeah. It's, it is weird. It's, 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 it's right now for me, it's disturbing. Okay. <laughs> yeah. These and things are it, not, you know, and the, yeah. the, yeah, these things are not, a, it's not a very attractive look. I mean, it's, it has a potential of being a, a pretty ugly situation, but the fighters have been a team which have been reading MLB trends. And I could certainly see where the ownership is going. Hey, you know, We've never made a lot. We've never made money playing baseball. Let's just make money not playing baseball. <laughs> and they could uh, do that. I mean, there's about a third of the MLB teams now are basically don't have to put a team on the field to make money. All right. Well, uh, you heard it from Jim. I, I hope they. I hope for the players' sake and uh, the fans' sake. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. It, but that they are serious about winning games, but uh, because if they are, then they're they're well positioned to do it. But if they say, well, you know, return on investment is more important than actually operating a baseball business, then that's and I think news. we'll see it. Yeah, we'll see it we'll immediately see. in the results. So we'll know. Yep. <laughs> yep. All right, let's go to fielding questions. All right, so the question this week is from Michael, and he is at Eater of Cheeses on Twitter. Isn't that a cool, it is <laughs> great. A cool Twitter handle? And uh, he lives in Scranton, Pennsylvania, so I assume he knows where the building is for The Office, the TV show. Mm-hmm. And he sent, us, <laughs> he sent us a uh, message via Twitter, and he said, Just found out your podcast about a month ago. My question is probably your most common. As an American, how can I learn about and follow and consume Japanese baseball on a regular basis. Are there any live games available to stream or listen to in English? Hashtag high heat. So there's a polyglot TV. To, to answer your English question, no, there there aren't any. Um, to, uh, it's terms in terms of streaming. Uh, polyglot TV and Rock Ten TV are out there. I'm just not sure how well they work outside Japan. Some Poly individual TV does teams. is in the states. Yes. It does work. Okay. And then uh, Central League really doesn't have anything. Some of the teams have their individual streaming services that you have to sign up for. There's some quirky little cable connections that you can get here in Japan. I don't think they're available overseas because it's cable TV. Reddit, though, posts streaming links, I believe, daily for some of the games. So if you go to the NPB Reddit site, uh, you can find that. At any rate, anyone else who can offer some assistance, please hit Michael up on Twitter at Eater of Cheeses, and uh, Michael, thank you so much for for listening to us and welcome aboard. And uh, thank you for getting involved with the show right away. Yeah. Well, Michael, we got uh, people who've been listening for years who haven't sent us a question. Hint, hint. All you people who haven't sent us a question, <laughs> even though you've been listening for years, Jim, do you have anything to add about? Well, yeah, I was going to say, Michael, uh, you could also subscribe to my blog, uh, jballallen.com. Um, I'm I'm not too shy to say that's a that's a, a worthy read. Well, you've been plugging stuff all night, so why not that too? Yeah, why not? <laughs> why not do it again? <laughs> Which is fine because we certainly want to support that. That has been uh, apparently. You have more readers than <laughs> some of the newspapers in Japan. So <laughs> the English newspapers. Oh, okay. All right. So thank you so much for the question. Uh, welcome back, everyone. Hope we have a super 2022. Uh, I'm hoping to do so. 
Uh, if you have any questions, hit us up at JBW Podcast on Twitter with the hashtag High Heats and questions via email to yakyujohn at gmail.com. Include some MP3s once in a while. It's great to hear sure. your voices, of course. Uh, you can also go to the Facebook page and leave us a message there. Comments, questions, uh, suggestions, criticisms, anything. We, we look yeah. forward to getting all your feedback, no matter Absolutely. what it is, because if Absolutely. you give us feedback, then we know uh, we can make the show better. And look for us on all the platforms that you can think of. I know the iTunes uh, platform at the moment is still stuck in limbo, but we are on it. We still are. Uh, I guess if you go to the, if you sign up and you um, you subscribe, you will get the newest and latest episodes for that. So that's not a problem. But we are also on iHeart Radio and some other platforms. So look for us. Uh, we will talk to you next time. I I can't say when that is. I know camps are starting, but uh, not much happening, especially with the the Corona camp situation. So we will see you next time. Enjoy your spring camp, and see you, but probably not at the ballpark. Follow the hosts on Twitter at JBW Podcast and at JBallAllen. Be sure to send in your questions with hashtag HighHeat and you'll hear from us again next week.